If you're enjoying Night Faces, please check out our Patreon subscriptions for access to soundtracks, cool merch items, bonus episodes of Night Faces, and our Patreon-exclusive award-winning anthology series, Middle West. Fan support helps us to continue making these shows and is greatly appreciated. Bad Productions presents Magda, a Night Faces original story. Episode 1, The Pilgrimage No, no, please no, it can't be her. Make yourself known. If there's a presence in this room, make yourself known. Santa Monica, California, 1954. Magda, get in, we're going to the beach. Magda stepped outside. The sun covered the sidewalk and the skin of her bare feet singed as she strode to the car waiting in her driveway. She looked back at the silhouette of her mother in the window, her face veiled by lace curtains, wearing an expression Magda was sure held an entire world of disdain within it. Hurry up, we want to get a good spot before it gets busy. I'll be back early, Mama, don't worry. Magda tried to give her mother a look of promise, of assurance. She would be good. She was good. The sand held the sweltering beachgoers like a swollen thumb, hot, throbbing, infected. The salty air providing little relief. Magda sat under a large umbrella with her best friend, Jean, shading herself, covering her skin. Jean was a year older than Magda, and it seemed that year could have been a lifetime of adolescence. She was smarter, her senses keen to the sharp pull of puberty. She was wise to her teenage existence, 
and Magda was in awe of her ability to more than experience her budding youth, but to own it. She had long red hair, freckles scattered across her nose and her eyelids, and her eyes were frothy green, like the edges of the lake in summer, foaming with blue-green algae, beautiful toxicity. Wanna go to the pier? Jean rattled a metal cigarette case in her hand, meant to entice, a smile at the corners of her mouth. The girls huddled close beneath the pier, water dripping down like rain as the echoes of the ocean and sea life percussed around them, a rhythm with the waves, a song. How was your mom today? Jean offered her cigarette to Magda. Magda had learned how to pull the smoke into her chest and hold it there. The nicotine made her feel like an angel, like her arms were weightless, light, rising from the sides of her body and lifting her up. But the smoke... The smoke polluted her organs, creating a thick layer of black tar. She felt like each inhale grew her larger, built up something inside of her. Somehow, it made her stronger, gave her thicker skin. Ugh, I don't know. It's getting worse. Yeah, I saw her peeking through the window, giving me the nasty eyes. She's good at that. I don't know. It's just that television. You know... She thinks she sees actual demons in the screen. Like they're all around us, but especially there. Jesus, what are you going to do, Magda? What do you mean? She's my mom. I think she just wants what's best for me, to protect me. Jean gave Magda a familiar knowing look. How could she save her from being saved? Come here. Jean pulled Magda toward her. Magda felt like a dark spot next to her, like one of the freckles against her pale skin, a mark against the purity. Magda had naturally jet black hair, dark olive skin, and she was impossibly thin, but her bones were strong and prominent. Her high cheeks, her clavicle, her strong hands. She was hard and soft at the same time, bouncing black curls and a figure lacking any meat. Her juxtapose was an act of nature, a moss with butterfly wings. The girls embraced as they leaned against an old wooden pillar, holding the fishermen above them, away from the sea. The mist all around them, wetting their skin. Jean moved Magda's hair away from her face. She's a righteous old bitch, you know. Maybe one day, I'll run away. With me? Jean peered into Magda's eyes as she cautiously moved in closer, giving Magda time to reject her. And with a quiet consent, the girls let their lips touch. They kissed first with apprehension, and then with curiosity, they lingered longer. This moment was one of momentum, a force that had been building for months, beneath the sheets as their breath fell over each other with secrets kept. Lying in the tent in the backyard, their legs hanging out of the opening, intertwining in the grass. Their hurried steps into school as they looked for only each other and grabbed hands. Innocent expressions of love, they were without boundary without what would come, expectations, formation, normalcy. What they had right now bloomed of true feeling and nothing else. Jean pulled away. Her detachment was tender. She looked at her watch. We better get you home. In the car, Magda slid her arm out of the window. She let the warm air ride above and below her hand, and she felt everything. With her eyes closed, she felt the buzzing of insects. 
the heat rising beneath them, and she let the fumes of traffic into her mouth and her nose. A little bit of the grave couldn't touch her. She was invincible now. Jean pulled Magda in for a hug as they stepped out of the car, and both girls paused before letting go. There was an energy between them. Just as the sun set, right before falling back behind the day gone by, you could see it. Like a glow, an optic hum, soft, its lightness failing at the corners. It held them there as long as the earth would let it. Magda looked over Jean's shoulder into the kitchen window and quickly pulled away. I'll see you at school tomorrow. Jean looked back and gave Magda a wink. You bet. Magda kept her head down as she walked inside, but she felt her mother's eyes on her. Whatever glow she carried, she knew would be shattered by her piercing gaze. And as she stepped up to open the door, she felt a faint twist in her stomach of absolute dread. It was Christmas when Magda's father rolled the heavy thing into the living room. Magda loved Christmas because it was the one day a year her mother was reminded of the word forgiveness. She would rub Magda's shoulders gently, in a way she never did, as they looked into the lights of the Christmas tree, twinkling with joy, with redemption. On that Christmas, her father bought a television. It was sitting in the window of the local furniture store, and every day he walked by, he would say it out loud. Look at that. That's the future. And one day, he must have decided that's what they needed. The future. In the house with the shades drawn shut. What is that thing? Magda's mother gasped in disgust. It's horrible. It's ugly. John, I don't want that in here. Magda and her sister flocked their father, mesmerized by the light it put off, the life inside of it. And when Magda looked over her shoulder to her mother, she could see the glow on her face too, though she tried to hide it, of absolute wonder. Now her mother spent her days in front of the TV, and Magda hated it. She knew what her mother used it for, a tool to confirm and a tool to condemn. Whichever she preferred, she could find it there, in the box with all of the life inside of it. That evening, Magda's mother called to her. Young lady, come here. Sit, sit. But is it mama? Shh, you need to listen. There was a man on the TV. A voice spoke over him, but he stood still in front of a large, stately mansion. There were trees that Magda had never seen on either side. They loomed over him, held him. Magda wasn't sure if they protected him or kept him away. The stillness of the TV would catch ever so often and make it look like he had moved just slightly. Magda felt uneasy, feeling as if he was reaching out, coming closer. There's been a sighting, a miracle they say. In the small town of Wasau, a shrine is being built in the exact spot that the Virgin Mary was seen by two locals. The community has welcomed a new priest to confirm the miracle sighting. In the meantime, we are seeing a pilgrimage of families from across the country coming to live in this magical place. It's been said that even a sip of the water will guarantee salvation. Did you hear that, Magda? Salvation, even for you. Magda looked back to her mother. She had tears in her eyes, and she was sold. Magda thought again about the television, life happening somewhere else. But was it all real? 
Or was something missing? The truth encapsulated in a glass tube, refracting light, hiding pieces of perception. This man in the trees, how would Magda know until she felt the shake of his hand, the moisture at his wrists, the shift in his step, if he was good or bad, if he could save anything? Patricia, where are you going? Wait up. Follow me. There's a spot up ahead at the top of the hill. <laughs> Billy, stop. Look, do you see it? What are you doing? Oh my god. Do you see her, Billy? Yes. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Magda felt the change in the air mostly as they drove further and further from her home. The wind had turned wet as they left the salted land, as they left the sun, as they left her people. It was three days since the man on the television promised salvation, and that's all it took to break a family apart. On the morning they left, it was early. The sun came up over the hills slowly, with apprehension, a planetary pause, almost as if it was giving them one last chance quiet reprieve, a moment to consider the consequence of their division. Magda's father refused the pilgrimage. He looked to his wife, disoriented, like he had lost her completely, as they argued into the night. Magda couldn't understand what her mother was willing to give up. The love of her father. The way he slid his arm around her waist and pulled her to him was both quiet and loud. He sought to understand this woman that no one else would, buried his beard in her neck, remembered her better. How could she cast him aside? And her daughter, Anna, on the verge of 18, she was unwilling to leave. But Magda knew her mother had given up on her long ago, with every inch of her hem riding upward, the way her gaze lowered before taking hold of every boy and seizing them in submission. Anna was a licentious, bobbing blonde ponytail of rebellious perfection, and that was a little too close to the flame. When they pulled from the driveway, Magda's father ran to the car, beating his fists on the hood. Anna stood in the driveway crying. The neighbors peered from their windows, watching the commotion. Magda rose from the back seat and through the windshield, between the swinging rosary hanging from the rearview mirror, she saw her, Jean, straddling her bike in the distance. Her face was calm, the fire of her tempered. She was sad, and Magda had never seen her that way before. Jean caught Magda's eye in the window, and she raised her hand to wave goodbye. But as Magda lifted her hand to do the same, her mother grabbed her wrist, hard, grinding her bones, a grip meant to inflict pain, discipline. Mama, that hurts. I know, her mother whispered. Just then, Jean's face changed, 
as the sun rose behind her, finally giving up on them and bringing back her flame. And she smirked as she raised her middle finger in the air, waving it violently at Magda's mother. Magda's mother let go of her wrist as she sped backward. That's right, Magda. Wave goodbye. You'll never see this godless place again. They pulled into West Sal in the night. The town was quiet, but every window glowed with candlelight. There were signs everywhere, hand-painted with Bible verses. The town sat along the river, and large trees climbed up the bluffs that held it. There was a radiance that Magda could feel, and it was hope. It was palpable here, the reverence of being chosen. This town felt special. They continued on past the village and drove into the country until they came upon a small farmstead surrounded by cornfields. This would be their home, on the outskirts of a miracle, just close enough to the water source. Magda got out of the car and looked up into the sky. It looked different here. The stars blossomed and turned to more and more sparks of light. It was so vast and unpolluted. She could feel its vulnerability, this place leaving the moon nowhere to hide, to shield herself. She let it pour over her, and its shine was so different from the sun, so tender, so quietly giving its life over. The moon, a martyr. Magda reached out into the cornfield, toward the crops, when suddenly, she dropped to her knees. The moon fell quickly, so there was no light in the sky, and the stars blotted out, the night entirely black. Magda looked all around her, and the cornfield was gone. She was in the woods, with the trees she'd never seen, dark and lush. And everything was broken. Branches snapped. The earth crushed beneath her. In the distance, she saw a figure. Just the silhouette of a woman. And what looked like dust falling all around her. Glowing, soft lilac. Magda called out to her. Who are you? But her color began to fade. And then turned to red. Magda looked down and there was blood pooling. She felt darkness. Her arms were heavy at her sides. Weighed down the dirt pulling her toward it. She tried to move, but she couldn't. She was stuck in a feeling, and the ground was sinking beneath her. The smell of pine and dead earth surrounded her. And then she knew. It was evil. The feeling. It was pain. The sound of insects moved into her ears and grew louder and louder and louder until Magda heard a voice. Please, no... Magda opened her eyes and she was back at the cornfield, her mother beside her, holding her arms and shaking her. Magda, did you see something? What did you see? Magda thought of the woman, her pale shadow turning red, a shade of rage, and tears rushed forward, burning her eyes. I saw a woman in the woods. Oh, Magda, it's this place. The Lord is near. I can feel it. Pray with me now. It's a miracle. Magda was on her knees, but she was sure it was not.
Hi, I'm Isabel, the creator, writer, and voice behind Night Faces, and I want to take a moment to talk to you about Apollo Plus. Night Faces recently joined the Apollo Plus exclusive roster. What that means is that you can listen to the show ad-free, gain early access to new episodes and seasons, more on that later, and a bunch of other cool stuff. And don't worry, you can still listen to Night Faces for free on your favorite podcast apps. This is just one way you can help support us. Apollo Plus is a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators. When you subscribe, you are supporting not only your favorite shows, but probably your soon-to-be new favorite shows, too. There's so much to discover there. And the exclusive content you have access to comes from a curated catalog of top-notch audio fiction. Not only that, but creators receive 70% of their revenue on Apollo Plus, so that they can create a new series or another season of your favorite show, all thanks to you. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcast app or by going to apollopods.com.